0: This is Braun Strowman, the monster among men. And you're listening to the Bob Culture Podcast with your host. Roor-
1: All right,
2: ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special episode of the BTP with the Good Brother, the Editor in Chief of the PopRate.com. Bill Foxman. up, bro. How are you doing over there, man?
3: Doing great, Rob. It's a Friday, talking wrestling. Staying inside, staying healthy, man. Ready to rock and roll.
2: Damn positive. I love it. This is a big one for us, guys. Uh, so honored to have a few minutes to chat with uh, some pretty, big, pretty major names in the business right now, guys. Please welcome to the show two gentlemen that are the collective heart and soul of WrestlePro. Uh, these guys are in-ring talent, promoters, producers, trainers, and actors, respectively. Uh, guys, we're honored to welcome, and, and we're not worthy here, the iconic Mr. Pat Buck and Mr. Kevin Matthews to the show. Gentlemen, how are you? How's everything?
1: Good. That's the first and last time anyone's ever used the word iconic uh, yeah. <laughs> near, near our names. So, ever, I'll take if it. You,
3: if you ever need to feel good about yourself, just have a conversation with Rob. Oh, very yeah, cool
0: you guys are officially my favorite uh people i've ever done a interview podcast with at all outside of pat call me iconic massive wrestling names of business dude i'm here like yeah yeah keep it going i didn't want that intro to stop i just wanted to be like yeah come on give me, yeah. this, give me more
2: <laughs> uh we take care of you guys here and we appreciate a few minutes uh first and foremost uh how you guys making out in this crazy world this crazy quarantine how's the family everyone staying healthy over there
1: I guess so. I mean, it's, I'm in Queens, so it's, it's pretty, it was bad. Everything's a lot better. It's just waiting for everything to reopen, you know, um, bored to death. Uh, but trying to, you know, trying to make the most of it probably, um, spend way too much time sitting around and just working out and hoping that things open up sooner than later, you know? Absolutely.
0: Same here, just sitting, I'm literally just working out. I dropped 30, close to 30 pounds uh, since I've been in quarantine, working out daily at home and stuff like that. I'm safe. Uh, my friends, family, I've been very fortunate and stuff like that. I go to, on Facebook, though, it seems like it's turning into bad news. I don't like looking at the feed no more because it seems like a lot of people are being affected that are close to me, and it seems like that circle is getting closer and closer. So I hope this whole thing passes before any more damage is done. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, you- you ain't wrong, but it's good to hear you guys are working out. You know, Kev, I saw some of your pictures the other day, man, looking looking good over there, putting in the work. Uh, and also, you guys kind of started the Pat Buck Show. Tell us a little bit about where that idea
1: came, came from. Very unique. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but I, I got a little bit of free time now, you know, outside of <laughs> quarantine. I, I don't really have a whole lot of work responsibility at the moment. So, uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. But um, no, it's something, you know, what's really, to be honest, I wanted to start, I love podcasting. I started podcasting with Kevin years ago when we had a show called Two and a Half Wrestlers. And then, like, I got out of it. I didn't know that was you guys. I remember that one. uh, That was us. Yeah, we were very immature. I I I prefer if we, you know, didn't acknowledge that we were them. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I love podcasting. I tried it on my own, and I was too busy and too lazy to do all the work for it. I had some good partners, had some bad partners. Anyway, like, I actually, sorry, I was going to... I thought about bringing it back earlier this year when I was on the road with WWE just because I had access to everybody. Not not really so much WWE superstars, but, like, just everybody. And I was going to make it a, a, a thing to go on the road and find different people in different towns and interview them. Well, uh, plans kind of changed. So now that I'm kind of home and uh, no longer with WWE, I thought it was cool to just promote our up-and-coming stuff. And, um, you know, I still got the training schools. We got the promotion and it's just something I kind of like enjoy doing. So we started back up, and it's been rolling ever since. Awesome! That's
2: good to hear, man. And uh, KM, I'll throw it over to you, man. We we shouted you out a couple times on the podcast. You know, we're in this this crazy world. Us creatives, us performers. I feel like we feel some sort of obligation to kind of help in these crazy times. And you've done a fantastic job um, doing some food drives and and just providing for people. What was kind of your mindset behind that? Well, that's when at first. Uh, started i mean i don't think anyone anticipated you know
0: fast forward to where we are at now with you know the death rate and everyone's quarantined for months now and i, I don't think no one i thought everyone myself included thought this would be a couple of week thing we'd nip it in the bud, and so i kicked off the food drive as soon as this thing started i'm like well you know you know a lot of families out there probably they're gonna be out of work for a couple of weeks so uh this would help out and we donated 759 pounds of food and um but i mean like fast forward to what it is now it's much bigger than that now but there's a lot of obviously bigger places that are helping out with massive food drive and donations and stuff like that and uh so yeah i mean it was just my way of for something i thought wasn't because i never lived through something like this that would be very small and not turn into what it was to try to help out as much as i can and i wish even right now there's something bigger i can do but i guess just doing my part you know saying social distancing, quarantine, and stuff like that is where we're all at right now. But yeah, it was just me trying to help out and credit all of uh, our WrestlePro guys that contributed and some fans actually that couldn't even make it, don't, were con- very generous with their donations, and I went to a supermarket, got some stuff. and Yeah, I mean, we it's not the first time we've done stuff like this. We've, we've taken part in stuff in Rahway, a bunch. I know Pat and Hawk over there, they do the, the toy drive in New York. I mean... We always try to have our hands and stuff. Even when we lived in Broadway, Pat was always going into the, the local town hall meetings and stuff, trying to be part of the city and stuff. So we always go one step above. I mean, not taking jabs at local promoters and stuff like that, but we always try to do more than just running a, a quick little show and stuff. try to get everything involved and as much people as we can, and charities and sponsors. And we just try to make it bigger than, like, as big as it can be and involve as much people as we can, and if you see a lot of feedback that we get from our shows and whatever, a lot of people will say things like that—that um, that, what you call it, the experience they had—and thank you so much. And we just we just try to involve as much as we can and help out as much as we can because deep down, no matter what other people say, the ones that really know us are actually really good people deep down inside. <laughs> but if you're a piece of garbage, then we'll be one right back to you.
2: <laughs> That's
0: right.
3: No, yeah, but I, great I, job
2: I, out of you guys. Question for
3: you guys, with like you guys saying a lot of the downtime you have right now, you know, working out. I'm sure the time off helps the body heal and whatnot. But take us into the mindset of say we get back, say we have shows in September. We're going to have this mm-hmm. Alaska show. Talk about like the mental like uh, awareness of your body to, in the wrestling. Is there going to be a lot of ring rust? Like you, talk, you look at people like with athletes who say they've been on the sidelines. They haven't been able to work for X amount of months. How do you one prevent injury and two how do you get your body reacclimated and especially maybe it's good advice for the young guys you guys are training who now have been off rhythm, you know wrestling training for three months if not more.
1: Well, you know, uh, a really good question because we kind of went through that maybe last. So even though we're in quarantine, I do own a wrestling school and I will selfishly agree that I've gone there with a couple of my students and wrestled a little bit just to keep our you know selves in shape, so um but like last week, we actually had a, a secret session with myself and Kurt Hawkins and a couple other guys mm-hmm. and uh we we did an all out practice where you know a couple drills here and there right. and we we felt like the walking dead after you know it was uh i I almost threw up in the ring after I was really exhausted, and I know he was hurting for a few days, so I really do. I think uh, time off is a wrestler's, like, worst friend. It's it's not good for you because I think our bodies get calcified. And um, now I feel great. So I'm, I'm, I'm still getting my wind back, but bumping around, I'm good now. But um, it, it takes a little bit. So everyone that's taking so much time off, when they get in the ring, it's going to be rough to adjust. But I recommend anyone that's going to start getting out there, you know, I assume we're going to have training academies open before – there's possible live events or, you know, wrestling shows. So I would recommend, I hope that uh, wrestlers out there just don't hop back in the ring. I would hope that they go get a couple training sessions in or bump around just before they, you know, have a show. So it's tough. But, you know, when I was younger, when I was 20, I can just go in the ring, not stretch out. Now I'm 36. It's, uh, I got to stretch out and it takes a little bit more while to recover. But once you get in the groove, you're fine. Or at least I'm fine. When you said,
0: uh, I kind of laughed to myself because you said, well, what do you do to prevent injury? I said, I'm well, <laughs> trying to figure that out. And uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll let you know when I find that one out real quick. So, uh, but uh, no, everything that Pat said, and that training session you talked about, I was invited to that, but waking up that early and I was like, yo, there's no way, I know there's no full steam ahead. And no, uh, I, so I kind of openly admit that I dipped out on that one. My ride dipped out, but I could have went. But I was like, yo, dude, I'm going to die over there because – I'm a little bit more fragile than these guys, and it's funny too because they've had ten times more matches than I have, and I don't—I my body's twenty times more brittle. Maybe it's the size differential. I have no idea, but yeah, so I'm very cautious. But um, I mean, oh, I'll openly admit my win has never been great in the ring to begin with. But uh, <laughs> I buy, I you know what I mean. I do a yeah, lot I of got pro, you. I get by, but sometimes with this layoff, because keep in mind I was already laid off prior to. This uh, quarantine thing. I did the one show in Alaska, team Wafala and stuff, because I was really right. banged up. Even coming off of Impact, I said to myself, I said, I'm gonna take a substantial amount of time because I didn't re-sign with them. They didn't offer. They nothing was on the table. They were still booking me on events when I was out of contract, and I pulled off right. of the um after my contract was up. And I said, dude, I'm really mangled. Like they said, what do you? Want to do? I said, I can't. I'm not gonna make it to this taping. Like my body, like my body was shutting down at that point. Like I was limping i couldn't walk like it was that bad and i was like yo i'm at the time i was what 32 i'm 37 now i was like this is bad like i need to fix this because like it's i'm not I, i'm not gonna i'm gonna wind up in a freaking wheelchair if i keep going at this pace so i need to kind of pull back and reassess the situation so then i just kind of dipped into just i did a couple of shows that last year this year what i forget in 2019 right uh and and then uh, I said to myself, I was like, I'll run shows. And then my goal was always get in shape, get in the best shape possible, Yay. and see how, what you call we could fix. Because, you like, my knees especially, those are the main problems with these. My, yeah. Especially my knee, but my knees are shot. So yeah, I'm bone on bone. And then I started looking into stem cell work in Colombia, where all the guys have been going and stuff right. like that. And insane results where Rey Mysterio wrestling like he's in 1996 again. It's just insane. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. Like I already went through the process, sending them my MRIs, having conversations on the phone and going over numbers, yada, yada. And originally it was going to be June. It was going to be next month. I was supposed to go out there, yeah. you know, in a couple of weeks realistically to get the work done. But uh, obviously that all fell through with what's going on. So that's still on the table. I still plan on getting that done. But as I launched so then when I knew that wasn't happening, it's like, okay, so what, do you, what can you do before you do that? Lose weight. Lose weight. I looked online and said, every one pound of body weight is four pounds of pressure on your knees. I was like, okay, if I drop like 30 pounds, that's 120 pounds of pressure off my knees. That would probably alleviate a lot of the, you know, and did. I started doing a lot of yoga and dieting and stuff like that. And I dropped the weight and I noticed a significant difference. I was like, so we're, we're headed in the right direction. And then my ultimate goal is to go out there and get that work done. But right now, right this second, I mean, compared to the last year I was at Impact, I feel like a new person. The... Taking that all that time off and now recovering, losing the weight, doing the workouts, the yoga, this, that. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been life-changing stuff. So now I'm super excited, especially if I get the stem cell work done. I really think that I'm going to feel like I'm 20 years old again as time goes on. So I'm super excited. But right this second, I mean, not only do I look better than I have in a long time, I'm not trying to put myself over I. I feel, I feel so much better. So I'm super excited for when the world opens up and get my ass back in the ring. That was always the plan. People kept saying I retired. I never retired. Never retired. Never used the word retired. No one, ever, no one retires in wrestling, right? Oh, I never <laughs> said it, though. Hawkins said I, I retired 27 times. I, never
2: <laughs> <retired>. I, <never laughs> retired
0: once. I said I get lazy and fat and unmotivated. I don't retire.
2: Oh, oh man. Um, that, that's that's good to hear, though that you're putting in the work, man. And uh, Pat, you mentioned uh, Rest, uh, Creative Pro, rather. Um, how proud are you of are you of that and the products coming out of it? Uh, you know, names like MJF, uh, Chris Statlander, who I just think is the sky's the limit. We had a great interview with her uh, over in Rahway one of the most interesting interviews we ever did. But she's just phenomenal. how How proud are you of you uh, are you of all this accomplishments and all these great people coming out
1: of uh, Creative Pro right now? it's it's great you know there there's it took a not like it took a while but um you know i've been training guys since and girls since 2012 and um you know for a long time it was kind of hoping who see who can make it to a national platform we have great students and um a lot of them you know haven't really you know maybe not have found their platform yet where they have the skill set to be on a national scale the ones who really rose to the top was MJF and, and Kristen. Um, but I think that within the next couple, you know, years or so, when things open up, I think um, there's a lot of up-and-comers from both schools that can, you know, really do a lot of good work. But I'm proud. You know, it, it's cool to see that, like, oh, yeah, like, I were, you know, I remember their first days or, you know, they they still hit me up for, you know, advice or critiques. And, you know, it's kind of a paternal-type relationship with them. so. I
0: just awesome. that you're talking. You said Chris Statlander. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit for the alien.
2: I, just I was that. thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, there it is. The, the galaxy. Yeah, but no, she's uh, phenomenal. Was- There's so many great people coming out of there. Um, real, real quick, gentlemen. Uh, let's get some shameless promo out of the way here. I saw a couple days ago you guys announced the September 19th show in Alaska. First and foremost, I do have some fan questions. I do want to be respectful of your time. But first and foremost, how did you guys make that um, decision to have that show in Alaska in this crazy time right now? I'm all for it. (laughs) Are you guys going to go? I'm I'm thinking about making plans, man. I'm not lying. All right.
0: I'm high risk, so I got to say no. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Alaska right now is 100% open. Oh,
3: that's interesting because East Coast, we don't hear too much about Alaska these days.
0: So the game was, we had the show in May, May 3rd, May 9th was the show, with DDP and all these guys on it, and then as we got closer, and we realized, then Alaska started shut down with the rest of the world, they were one last who shut down, and they shut down, I was like, this ain't happening, so then I to the building. I said, "What? What can we? What? What do you think? Should we do August?" He's like, "Well, no. I, I would suggest September." I said, "Okay, let's get a date in September." And then he came up. He said, "You have this option, this option." I said, "All right, let's take that September nineteenth and let's see where we go." And then we played it out as a little time trickled on and stuff like that. I loosely promoted it. I, I was keeping all the fans on the Russell Pro Alaska Facebook page informed, and I said, "Um, what's you call it? Here's the thing: the show's obviously not happening, but." you want a refund, go to each point of purchase and they'll refund you, or you could hold those tickets and then transfer it over to September 19th. You wanna know what's crazy? Cause I get the breakdown. Not yeah. one fan got a refund on that show. Not one fan requested a refund. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Like I was expecting the numbers to kind of go dip down and fluctuate a little. Like the numbers stayed exactly the same from the moment before. Now they're starting to rise again. So, um, but it, I thought that was amazing. That just goes to oh, show their drive and passion over there is insane. Like, they're like, dude, there's no other wrestling. Like, we're not giving up our tickets. Because <laughs> um, it's the same setup, different venue. They own two conventions. They own the arena, then they own the, the Egan Center, which was booked September 19th. But then they own the, I don't even know how to pronounce the name, Denaya Denia, Denia Center, I think it's pronounced. Uh, they own that, which is a block away. And it's the same exact layout. It's a big convention center and same seating and all the tickets transferred over. And like, okay. But then when the state was 50% open, I was like, okay, this is going to happen. And then when 100% and they said, the building told me, they're like, dude, this is full steam ahead. The bars, everything's opening here. I was like, dude, so let's rock and roll. Let's promote the hell out of this. I reached out to Dallas, DDP, and I said, dude, it's 100% open. Uh, i'm going full steam ahead for september are you in he said i'm in brother and i was like okay so now i won the guys the aw guys are waiting on confirmation for, to, to come over that we're on the may show and then um just announcing them as they confirm and a couple of auditions we announced kurt hawkins is now a part of that yeah. which he's a close friend obviously of ours forever so that was expected and um maybe another surprise or two and yeah, that's that's the game plan. I mean, they're super stoked out there. And like I said, as of yesterday, tickets started spiking up again and more tickets. I was like, this is this is so it's it's at least fun. I mean, it sucks that we can't have our Jersey shows and stuff, because especially fall is big for us in New Jersey. with the railway shows like we always hit big with, you know, September, October, November, December months. But um, it's it's just good. I also have December 5th on stand on, on hold as well for a, a return to Alaska. So it's just fun that we have a show because it felt so weird the last couple of months with nothing. This is the first time in 20 years where I have nothing to look forward to. It's just like yeah. I'm in purgatory. Like it's just I don't know what the hell's going on. Like I'm just floating around doing nothing. So it's now great that something's solidified, confirmed. The contracts are signed with the building, the venue. Tickets are flying now, and everything's everything's a go. And it's just feel. My normal is
2: slowly starting to come back, though. So. That's great to hear. Where can people get uh, tickets and all that stuff uh, for the show? Uh, if you go to Russell Pro Alaska
0: Facebook page, all the links are on there. It's a Ticketmaster outlet. But, I mean, if you want to keep it simple, the page is slightly outdated, but the link still works. i got to get that updated, RussellProAlaska.com. If you just click the, the old flyer for the May show, it still redirects you to the Ticketmaster link. So, or you just go to Master and put in Russell Pro Alaska. I mean, it's the only thing that, that Pat, makes when, sense. We, when we talked back
3: last year during Mania Weekend, uh, you, mm-hmm. in, in regards to Alaska, you were talking about how much of a big gamble it was because obviously East Coast guys go to the other side of the country and you know the other side of the world to run a wrestling show. And you said, "This is yeah. a big gamble. We're willing to do it because you were saying how much Kevin sold you on Alaska and there's no shows." Talk about the reception I mean, we're so spoiled here on the East Coast with so many promotions. Talk about the reception that you guys have gotten from Alaskan wrestling fans and what what it's like running a show up there. I mean I've heard some of the audio from Colt, which is pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. but you no,
0: know,
1: fill us in on what it's like out there. I mean, I mean from I my What? Say,
0: I said you want you want to jump in first, Gud.
1: Yeah. I mean from my experience it was uh you know, obviously they don't you know, not just with wrestling from from what I hear you know not a lot of entertainment acts entertainment acts you know find the time to go to Alaska or want to do the travel et cetera. so uh you know i think our first show what was it 1400 was that was that the number I think 1301
0: or oh, 1302 was the official number on the paper thing. so you know,
1: for an indie show is great i mean the arena was way big but it still was that that crowd was pretty passionate i mean i got i was lucky enough to uh to close the show that night. And, you know, I just got the energy from that crowd that they, you know, it, you could always feel at the end of an independent show or, or any show in particular, when the crowd gets tired or when it's gone too long. And, you know, it was one of those things where on most shows, when you know the show's over, everyone just leaves and they knew we were the last match and they knew that the show was over. And like, nobody wanted to leave. Nobody wanted to go home. Everybody just wanted to hang out and just like, still not admit that the show was over. So that was kind of a cool feeling that, you know, it was like, hey, normally I'm used to, like, whatever the main event happens, everyone's running towards the parking lot. It wasn't like that. It was everyone was going just eternally grateful. It was a really great experience.
0: That's awesome. So uh, to add to what he said, too, is the game plan going into that first one was – Let's see if we could do this, and it's a one-and-done deal. It was never an intention on turning this into a full-time thing. It was just like a one-off deal. The decision to do it a second time was made the day of the show, before doors opened. Wow. When I told Pat, I said, dude, do you want to get a return date to announce? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I went right to the, the guy, uh, Theron, that runs the arena, and I said, dude, I said, what can we get a return date? I, it, this is April. I said, this was April 20th. I said, what about October, six months and he said, WWE has a hold on an October date here. He, like, in the contracts WWE has when they go there every couple yeah. of years, nobody runs six months before them or three months after them. Yeah, so, Radiance clause, yeah. They, they said uh, they, they have a hold on. They wound up not fulfilling it. They, they've released the hold. But that's why they said, what about December? We could give you December. But uh, okay, so I took a December date eight months later. And um, that's the one we went back with Bret Hart. And, again, it's a, it was a big learning process, everything he said with the fans. Is, the fans there – I love all wrestling fans. They're a different. They're a bit of a different. You'll have your, you know, fans that I had to block off the page that like they say stupid things. But for the most part, something percent of them, the word the word that they kept using over there is appreciate. Like, which kept catching me off We appreciate you coming. We appreciate. Thank you. We appreciate. It. Some of the some of the fans were going up to the merch table and giving the guys twenty dollars for no merch they're like no no we appreciate you coming here we know it's long here just put that towards your food and travel like what <laughs> who done- <laughs> that didn't even make sense to me so, uh, what do you call it? anyway so it just it just blew my mind with that uh and the first show the first show we didn't get rich but we we turned a profit enough to make it seem like there, there might be something here and stuff. And again, I overshot it. My thought processes, dude, we could run this arena. There's no wrestling here. Blah blah blah. We'll bring in a couple of big names. We might pack this arena. I don't know. Like I looked up the numbers. WWE drew fifty five hundred people in you know, two thousand seventeen. They drew uh five thousand people in two thousand thirteen and and I looked I I saw a list. WWE ranks their arenas like that they run in. I found a list online where they give it like letter grades where the, the, the good arenas I, with ticket sales and stuff like that, like get the letter A, and then it goes A minus B and stuff like that. And Alaska was ranked, that arena was, for them, is ranked on the list at like A minus, like one of their higher arenas that they like going to it's well. So I was like, I did, my, I did my research and stuff, and I was fortunate enough to find a couple of people over there, build a team, sent after the April show, a guy, JT West, great guy, opened up a wrestling school because of the show. He had one a long time ago, but he's an old Memphis wrestler. Great dude. Now he That's wound up... Later. Then he uh, wound up starting with, like, three students. Now he has – I think he has, like, 20 now. And uh, I have a deal with him where I'm going to feature a couple of um, his students on the show in a student match. So it's almost like they're not a creative pro wrestling school, but they're the unofficial school of WrestlePro Alaska. Like, he, we use his ring. I'll showcase his students. Like, as far as, like, runners go, like, we have our students here doing errands and flyering and stuff. We have his students. So built an actual team um, over there with by by dumb luck. None of this was supposed to happen if we were gonna run this damn show and run commercials and go in blind for the most part It was gonna be terrifying and then one by one this team start building because not only are the fans passionate all of the people that were involved in wrestling once upon a time or in a smaller level. They're all like hell Yeah, let's make this a thing and and it's and, it, and it's really good so the first show we did something. The second show, I'll openly admit, I openly lost money. The show, we didn't, I mean, you know, I didn't have to sell a kidney to pay it off. We didn't go flat broke, but uh, it didn't turn a profit. But then I was like, okay, we brought in Bret Hart. It's a whole formula that any promoter has to figure out, even when you're running in the smallest place or the biggest place, whatever state or country, right. you have to figure out what works because not everything is the same. And my thought is. Bret Hart would be bigger than Foley and more people and stuff. That wasn't necessarily the case. We drew a little less with Bret, so now I figured it out. I dumbed down the arena, you know. I'm, I'm selective on flights, less flights, less budget, so forth, so on, and stuff like that. And really? happy to say, heading into September, this show is is already on pace to be a smash. So uh, I think it's figured out and. A lot of people think that we have some huge, crazy money. Because if you look at this, if you look at it from the outside, you're like, they have something that they're not telling people. There's some weird money guy over there or they hmm. some, some trust fund babies. Like, we, we've said it a million times. It, it's not. Like, when the show made money – me and Pat made money when the show lost money. Me and Pat lost money. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not some magical recipe. It's just a crazy-ass idea that I came with after visiting a place that I always wanted to go to. That was on my bucket list from when I was a child. And then I was like, let me see if I can pull this off. And now Pat's involved. And it, I, I, I bought the LLC to Russell Pro Alaska to make it a full-time thing. I would love in the perfect world to go there four times a year every three months with one show the next building an army of fans out there where just like we have in Rahway, we announce yeah. the next show, boom done you know if we're if our if our if our attendance there is a thousand fans okay we're gonna work with that and that's what we could do and we can make it very profitable and we could bring over a lot of the boys that never been there before and it's a bucket list for them and because we are for the boys as well but if you've done bad business with us or we're a little bit of a dick to me at some point then ain't gonna happen bro All right. that was my long answer
2: <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, it's it's and We're talking about Alaska. I believe that we talked to uh, Dion Rusman, the iceberg, uh, one of our favorites at WrestlePro. How do you guys kind of? Um, acquire these different talents, and we'll talk about the Patreon, where fans can kind of help out a little bit. Uh, That's super interesting. I want to talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, we go to a WrestlePro show, and there's something so special about it. We'll we'll see someone from the Dark Order. Um, We'll see a lot of creative pro talent. We'll see people from Alaska. How do you guys kind of make these decisions?
1: Oh, um... Man. Like, those are pretty, like... All those decisions would require you know, trying to, everything's a big puzzle,
3: Yeah.
1: you know, we, we, and it's been over the last couple of years, you know, when I started promoting in 2012, um, it was easier back then because there was more things to book and, you know, we could, you know, just starting out, you know, sometimes we bring in a really big star just for the autograph signing, whether it be, you know, a Flair a Foley, a Brett, a Muda, whatever. Over the years we got kind of away from that, which I prefer, where we, you know, started using, you know, talent that could really go in matches, um, and that hopefully had some TV appeal. And I know a lot of independent places don't really necessarily maybe care about that, but we always did because I think if you're going to, if you if you have a, our posters, we take a lot of pride in. And if you see our posters, you you should be able to recognize some names. That's the goal, at least, to have someone who, oh, I know that person. I'll go see them. Because if you don't have that, you're not really going to have much of a show. Um, over the years, it got more and more difficult because more companies started opening up and a lot of contracts were exclusive. So a whole pool of things we'd book from went away. And it got harder and harder. And then it, it came through a time period where we really couldn't really... Every now and then, we'd get someone who fresh off TV. But for a, lo- a while, you know, WWE didn't really let go of anybody for a long period of time. There, I mean, here and there, but there wasn't any, you know... Back in, you know, five, six years ago, you kind of expected it a little bit more It happened more often. Right now, we're, like, not recreating history, but, like, we're approaching, approaching, like, a new playing field where all this talent is available again. So it's going to be really interesting with that. But, you know, people come up, you know, whether they be local, people we've known for a while that can go. We we try to, we book around our guys because our guys are our guys and they're going to be there. And we try to see what make the best matches, what, what fits for this. Um, there's always going to be a, a push-pull with, like, you know, getting more people on. You know, it's a thing we always have to fight because everyone wants to be out of WrestlePro and CreatorPro. I probably run about 30 shows a year. And Rawway is our baby, so everybody wants to be on it. So we've got to figure out a way to, to not get everybody on, but figure out a way to reward those or whatever the situation may be. You know, Deion's in, uh, an interesting case. He started making like a face, not a Facebook, uh, a social media kind of uh, calling for to get on the first WrestlePro show. And I, t- I saw it right away. And I was familiar that he was a, you know, Seth Rollins student. And, um, yeah. you know, as time went on, it, I think it just became, eh, maybe we should book this guy. Like, why not? It's like, he's, he's from there. Let's just book him. And then he became to a regular in New Jersey as well
3: question in regards to, like you were mentioning some of the contracted guys. Now we, we see mm-hmm. people in AEW, Impact, MLW have, you know, they're not exclusive. They can work on the independents. Is there any sort of, maybe this is a little too inside baseball, but is, like, is there any sort of like politics you guys have to deal with and you don't have to be specific of, well, you know, this guy's on this TV show or this guy, this woman's on this TV show she can't lose and can we put, can we put our person against them? Is there any stuff you have to go with that or or just is the wrestling world a lot
1: less political than that? No, it's all political. It's, <laughs> well, it's and, anyone, <laughs> and anyone says it's not, you know. And by politics, it's not always like people trying to cut cut each other's throats, but to to be perfectly honest, a lot of a lot of wrestling is, is your relationships with people and your friendships sure. or or you know, most people, whatever company they're working for they kind of have the the tunnel vision that whatever happens in their company is the most important thing that happens on, on the planet. So like, yeah, we've had we've had issues. We've had people that have been super, you know, helpful. Other companies have been very supportive, but there's been times where like, Hey, we can't, you know, you know, uh, we prefer if this happened or we've dealt with all sorts of issues and I'm used to it. It normally doesn't come from the company. A lot of times it'll come from someone's representation, which really means it comes from the wrestler, but it's, it's just a fine. It's just something that we're used to. Like if it's a legitimate call, co- I'll give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You know, if they are trying to protect their career, if I if I rightfully agree with it, or if it's someone like on the up and up, um, I understand certain things, certain parameters. Like I even explained this on one of my podcasts. You know, if Rusev started doing independence and he comes out to all these different promotions and he loses the first time, it doesn't feel right. It just wouldn't right. feel right at all. You know, but if you had someone like you know, an Eric Rowan or a Drake Maverick or EC, or an EC3, they could put people over and it would feel right. So there's a diff- there's a different thing. But like, what do you do if a former talent, you know, that you book on a show? Yeah, I'll come in. But, you know, I'm sorry. But I, I at the time, I can't lose. So so I, I don't I don't fight those battles, really. I don't, you know, try to get in someone's head, like try to talk them out of it. I'll just avoid or be like, OK, well, that's a, you know, I, I respect that. But we're going to have to move in a different direction if that's the case. Um, you know, I never try to go, oh, come on, or please, or, or do that. Um, <laughs> uh, most of the time, most of the time I'll listen to the talent. I'll be like, okay, I'll make that work. But you've also kind of made an impression with me where if any sort of business happens in the future, I'm just going to note that. So it, it's, just, it's part of the game to be honest with you.
0: Okay.
1: See, as, as professional as Pat is in the way he talks and
0: even when he talks to talent, stuff like that, I don't want to say I'm the opposite, but sometimes he has to pull back because if someone's trying to talk to me like that, I'll literally turn around and be like, bro, are you serious? Are, this is so fucking unprofessional. Who gives a shit if you lose? <laughs> I don't talk like that. He's like, Yo, dude, what are you doing? You can't really – I was like, come on, man. Dude. You're fucking going to lose it, Dude, who gives a shit? It's like, come on. I'm a little bit of a loose cannon, but I'm – But it's passion coming out because like at the end of the day, like I want to see everyone do good business and like – I'm not I'm also not that person where I'm not gonna bring in Tessa Blanchard as impact champion and be like, yo dude, why can't you lose to our student Vicky Vicky? Like well, what, you have an ego? No, that's 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 not that's not reality. But if we bring in let's say uh, a tag team that's just floating on the mid card somewhere on, on impact or MLW that's that no, they're not champions or they're not involved in nothing, oh we can't lose. I'm not something that's happened, but I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, yeah. why? Why? And then a lot. everyone will try to do the whole thing. Like he said, the agent said, or the company said, I can't lose. Or it, the, what happens a lot, especially with the bigger names that we've used in the past that are well past their prime, they're just collecting pages, they feel it will hurt their stock. Whether it be a singles legend or a tag team legend, it hurts their value. And right. I, and I, this person has the same uh, example. I always say Tommy Dreamer. I said, you could go to some backyard fed in the sticks of i don't know idaho where and tommy dreamer will put over you know the most out of shape unathletic human being on the show and then that promoter be like dude tommy Dreamer's great to work with." there's a reason since mid 90s till 2020 tommy dreamer's booked two three times a damn week you know course, at a pretty yeah. handsome rate and makes a very good living and everyone uses him all the time but people don't think like that. They're like, well, no, if I'm going to come in there, I, I got to win. I got to do this. Like, nobody wants to do business with that person because if I'm running a company and I'm bringing you in one shot deal, why would I want you to, unless it, the, whatever I'm planning calls for it, why would I want you to, to go go up on one of my people that every single month right. and you're not leaving after this? Like It doesn't make any logical sense. It's not good business. I mean, Again, there's certain situations where it makes sense. Like if, I had, if I'm bringing in some huge monster babyface name off of TV and I have the biggest guy is jerk off heel and stuff like that, and he runs his mouth and the babyface goes up and something like that. Yeah, I get it. But for the most part, like it's just good business all around. And I'm not saying there's a lot of people like that, but there's a lot of people that don't understand. And they think, uh, I'm not going to name names, but they think that it hurts their value. Yeah, no, you doing what you're doing now is hurting your value. Because promoters all talk. And when we bring in somebody, I'll have five promoters say, "How was that person to work with? I'm not going to lie and say, hell, you're awesome. Like right. Emma. I we When I put Emma against Scarlet, I went up to Emma and I knew her decently well. I was like, are you okay putting her over Scarlett? She's like, in her Australian accent, I don't have a good Australian accent. She's like, oh, of course not. I don't give a damn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then people have asked me, like, how was Emma? I was like, dude, Emma was great. Emma was great.
3: I hope like, you did. I hope you put her over in the accent too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So no. And, and again, word trials. I've went to other promoters. I've messaged, you know, Dan over at MCW, Maryland MCW. Yeah. He used a lot of, he has a lot of the, we, uh, we have the same structure. And I said, How is this person? Oh, this person, and he's honest. This person was great. This person was horrible. This person was this. This person wouldn't do this. And then he tells me, and I've used his advice that he's given me opinion on other people where I'm like, Okay, I won't book this person. I won't book this person. So it does hurt. It does hurt you. Just for anyone listening to this, guys, you got to just do good business all around, man. Like, again, and I don't think we've ever been put in a position or we've been those guys where we try to go against it, where it's just like, listen, we know you're the champion here or we know you're getting a huge push on TV, but we need you to, you know, we're going to try to make you look like an asshole here. We've been pretty good at understanding and Protecting talent, we've been around between the two of us forty years worth of experience. We, we're, we're talent as well as promoters and all this other stuff. During your awesome intro, you gave us and icons ability. so we get, it. so we one hundred percent get it. So we'll always try to make it make sense and protect what needs to be protecting while doing good business all around. We try our best, but sometimes the card that just doesn't fall in our favor. Where it's just like this person just doesn't get it. I'm not saying we know everything but uh, we're, we're right more than we're wrong.
2: I hear that. Absolutely. And guys, uh, I did want to talk about, now correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there is something with a Patreon where fans can kind of get their hands on this a little bit and help with the booking. I saw you guys talking about that online. Uh,
1: What's going on with that? So the idea was, you know, restarting the podcast. I think, you know, I have a lot of stories or, or connections or whatever it may be with, you know, everything wrestling, uh, training and running the promotion and my time this year with WWE. And there's just a whole lot of stuff, but I think the, the, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts find their success with different niche things. And I, I want to believe we're one of the only ones that really are full-time promoters and, you know, running events actively and kind of, I know there's a couple that may talk about stuff regards to promotion, but really pulling back the curtain and, allowing people through Patreon of our show, patreon.com slash Show, to participate in seeing what goes into these booking meetings and, you know, uh, where we can have them on either Facebook Live or Zoom or Skype. And essentially, you know, me and Kevin will talk shop, but I want to get to a point where if we build this up and say we have, you know, seven or eight people that are on that specific tier, you know, we'll put it out there. Hey, we have a choice. It's between booking, you know, Heat Slater for this show or, you know, Chris Hero, who do you guys pick? And we'll acknowledge that. So part of it, we wanted to make it interactive and, and just show people what, um, on one of the podcasts, I broke down kind of what goes into, or planning a show in post COVID world. But I think like, even, even on our next episode, we might sit down and break down, how are we going to do Alaska? How are we going to budget it out? You know, how does, or, you know. We'll never give away finishes, because I think that that ruins the show. That's oh, not man. up. You know, I, I I think it's fun to plan things and then watch them play out, but I'm not going to really have interactive things where someone tells me what what the end of the match is going to be. Eh, not going to do that. But as far as everything else, like, um, if things get off the ground running, which I'm hoping for, and it may not happen this year or whatever, but we're going to have shows again. So um, the goal would be to, you know, approach different shows for different things. We might have a show that has a $5,000 budget that we need to bring in one established television name, help us book the card. Or, you know, this is the pro- storyline driven. This is where we're here. How do we get to here? This is where we think, what do you guys think? So just an interactive way that fans have never, had, if, you've, if you've ever wanted to be a chance to be involved with the booking of a promotion, this would be your opportunity.
3: I almost blurted out my answer, uh, Heath, Chris zero Heath Slater, so I was like, I hold back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but I guess one thing, I guess with taking the curtain so far back, I mean, you guys were trained old school in a lot of ways, like, does any of that rub against you the wrong way? Was it a hard decision to come up with that? Because, like, I know there is some magic, you know, behind the curtain, and I mean, or are we in an era now where, who cares? It, it's all fun.
1: It's, it's cool we're in an era where Jim Cornette was on dark side of the ring, explaining people how we cut ourselves. Once I saw that all bets are off. <laughs> oh, so, we're
3: to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, when I saw the king of the king of kayfabe kind of, uh, take that direction. I've always, my personal thing. And I've, I've believed this for a while is that, um, you know, I know wrestling, we came, obviously it, it, it when they revealed it was predetermined in the eighties, whatever maybe. may be. Right. Um, I've just always felt that we've been stuck kind of, okay, now we know it's predetermined and you know maybe they're not really hitting each other full force or maybe they are. And But like since then, we haven't really, yeah, we've had shows like Tough Enough. We've had th- different things like that. My opinion, especially being a producer right. and being involved in so many things with wrestling, if people really knew what went into doing what we do from all aspects, from putting a match together, from um, the physical training part of it to promoting and booking shows and experiencing all the problems and how to read an audience, how to, how to like what to do, what not to do. I think most people, if not all people would have a lot more respect for us. You know, I think that wrestling is kind of, you know, if you love it, you love it, but if you don't, nothing's good enough. But if, if someone took, Pull the curtain back a little bit more. And I also think for those that kind of like it, if they knew more about, and I'm not saying backstage stuff, but if people really went knew what went into um putting a certain match together, and I and if I break it down and really go, This is you know, this is what's happening here, that you subcon they're doing this because it plays on your subconscious here, and they're doing this for this exact reason, I think people would be like, Oh my god, and you respect people that we love watching a little bit more that's that's always my theory and i believe in it so yeah
2: really interesting this is like uh you know we call it kind of like the reality era um just stemming and i want to be respectful of your guys time just uh stemming from a few fan questions here all, uh, all we a- have is time that's
0: all we have
2: <laughs> in today's yeah. age is time <laughs> it's like
0: jail <laughs> all all you have is time <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really have people out there that are really marking their walls
2: <laughs> yeah you ain't wrong, man. You ain't wrong. Um, but we we do appreciate it, guys. Um, fan question. I, I guess this is in terms of WrestlePro. Again, we don't have all the answers here. What is wrestling going to look like when the fans come back? I guess this would be in regards to WrestlePro, maybe Alaska. Um, do you guys kind of have answers yet? I know it's kind of tricky. I know you're still having the meet and greets and stuff, which is great for people like me. I like to support the talent. Uh, obviously, helps me get interviews and stuff like that. Um do you guys have a full game plan yet, or just kind of going with the flow?
1: I I actually wrote today. I wrote I wrote a reopening plan for my schools. I, you know, I when the time's appropriate, I will do one for the promotion just to have it in front. But I think so many things can change before that beforehand. The first thing I would need to know is what are the limitations of capacity per building? Yeah. You know, the Raleigh Rec Centers are home. We could fit. Gosh you know we've had a thousand we've had 1500 we've had you know if you pull back the wall you could fit 2000 yes, but what that. uh yeah what what could what could we realistically be allowed to do are we going to get 20% 25% you know can we can we run with 200 people if that's the case you know i foresee you know two rows of chairs spaced out and bleachers everybody sits in a different spot maybe we can mark them you know i i think as uh you know, I've bought machinery, you know, little little machinery that can disinfect the ring very quickly, just shoots over and stuff. It's pretty fast drying. So, you know, we're getting into that with the schools already, figuring out that stuff. But as far, my feeling is that this is going to be, I mean, I would love it if September we'd be allowed back. I think it's 50-50 that we're even going to have anything this year. I yeah. really do. But if they are, I'll be the first one to do it, and I'll figure out all the precautions that we you know, need to take, but and I'm just hoping that time that we're we're all in a better place and you know everything's less. I don't know, germy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hey, going off that, like when you look at you've already mentioned this with the Alaska shows, how well the ticket sales are doing. Do you guys feel that the? And I feel like I know the answer, but when you guys are like, hey, September 1st we have a show. Do you feel like that's an instantaneous sellout because we've had nothing, or do you feel like? there are people who are going to be cautious because it's still the first time.
0: I, I think uh, as I think right now up in, because nothing, even when I announced over a month ago, the September 19th, not one ticket moved from them yesterday. I think everyone was still very cautious. But then when this, what the state then hit a hundred percent open and now they're like, okay, wait, this is happening again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm talking to my people out there. It's just, the a whole different world. They've had, uh, I think, right under 400 cases total out there. Because keep nice. in mind, Alaska's <laughs> social distance <laughs> without trying. I mean, outside of Anchorage, you're, you're, the next neighbor is three mountains over, depending on what town you live in over there. Anchorage is in New Jersey, which is also wow. It's unlike New York where, I mean, I lived in Brooklyn. I'm Brooklyn born and raised. Pat lives in Astoria. I mean, you are literally – all over, everybody, wherever you go, no matter what. So it doesn't surprise me that over in this area that it's so crazy high compared to somewhere over there. But I even my friend uh, Rain and Alecki, that was, they basically do what I do in Alaska. They do it in Hawaii. They're the ones I wrestle for in Hawaii in October. So they have a show lined up. I think it got pushed from June back to July. They're going full steam ahead with their show in July. I don't, I don't know how open they are at 100%, but... Again, it's very Alaska and Hawaii are very similar to each other. I've been to both now they're equally as beautiful and stuff like that, but they're going ahead with their show over there uh, i think I, I'm confident we're safe going into uh, in the September show there to go back to your original question. I think fans are cautious yes, but um over there i think I think once we especially trickle into June and towards and then hit July, it's just also playing out thing if stuff starts really dropping and then everyone starts their fears start lowering and life starts to slowly get back to normal i think i think it'll uh be business as usual but over there the clubs are opening the bars are opening like life is back to normal over there and i don't think again the, the stuff that they deal with those guys good they'll, they'll drive in 27 feet of snow and like i mean they're 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 pretty ruthless over there i mean so but I think I think over there it's just a different animal. That's why it's, it's so weird. We run shows in New Jersey and we run shows in Alaska, and I, we're literally going to the place that's already fully open, and the other place we run our main shows in is going to be the last place open. So it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy when we think about it. Yeah, so we're on both sides of the spectrum here,
2: literally and figuratively. Yeah. It's crazy. But uh, we, we do appreciate you guys, um, you know, having a show. I got really excited when I saw that Alaska show coming out. And uh, I want to thank you guys personally for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Uh, Pro is something really special every time you go to Rahway, just the mix of talent there, the up-and-comers, uh, the special attractions that you bring in. Uh, it's always been a good opportunity for me to grow my journalistic career and have some great interviews. Um, so I appreciate you guys taking a few minutes to talk to us. And, uh, before we get out of here, more shameless promo, please tell us where everyone can follow you
1: guys on social media, the podcast, all that good stuff. Sure. I mean, the podcast is every Thursday. So Pat Buck show on iTunes, Kevin's on it pretty much every episode. Uh, it's also on YouTube. So youtube.com slash Pat Buck show. Um, we got the Russell pro up Russell pro online. I mean, not really shouldn't promote that right now because there's nothing else going on uh i'm on social media all different platforms as buck never stops oh that's (laughs) all i got
0: instagram and twitter i'm superstar km uh yeah there's the Russell pro online page the wrestle page i guess we can promote that because we do have uh those shows are realistically coming up and again i don't know how far reach your uh, show goes if you have many alaska fans however depending on where you are in the world Tickets at that time are relatively cheap. I mean, tickets are under 400 bucks out of New York, New Jersey to head there, and it's beautiful. There's nothing else anywhere planned in this area, especially. So I would highly recommend maybe, you know, instead of sitting around, make the trip out there. It'll be worth it. You'll knock out two birds at one stone. You'll get to see some good ass wrestling, and then you'll get to see a place that you never in your wildest dreams imagine yourself going to, and you'll very much appreciate it. But uh, yeah, Pro Alaska on Facebook, WrestlePro on Facebook. Superstar KM, RussellProAlaska dot com. Just support. Support. Support the podcast.
2: The Pat Buck Show. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much again for a few minutes. Uh, like I said, I feel like we're turning a corner here. Uh, you know, just stay healthy, stay positive. Uh thank you, gentlemen, for a few minutes and continued success moving forward. Thank you again. Thank you.
1: Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi right, guys.